0: It goes from bad to worse for the Calgary Flames, a little less bad for the San Jose Sharks, and if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan, uh, things have hit rock bottom, and now changes are on the horizon. We provide instant reaction in episode 387 of Lace the Podcast, which starts right now. <music> It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. Uh Brett, um, I believe uh, we have uh, some news to mention before we get to our main topic. Yeah. Uh, another sudden passing in the hockey world, unfortunately.
1: Yep, yeah, yeah um, sadly. Uh, yeah, Roman Cikmanic, Um, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, I know it's mm-hmm. Czech, but. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he passed away, um, what's, what's interesting, yeah, he passed away at the age of 52, it's unclear what the cause of death yet is, but he was a goalie, um, in 2000, uh, till 2004, um, I was actually kind of surprised when I found this news and I looked at his stats and stuff, cause I thought he was in the league longer than four seasons, um, but yeah, it turns out that he was there for four seasons, um, he mostly played for the Philadelphia Flyers, um, and then, um, but yeah, so three seasons for the Flyers, and then he went to the LA Kings um, in two thousand three four, and I guess that would be like just before the first lockout, um, so maybe that had something to do with why his uh, career was cut short from the NHL. But I think you were telling me off the air that he went to um, another league after that, so so it's not like. Yeah. It was the end of his hockey career. He just went to a different league altogether, um, and uh, yeah, he has. Uh, he didn't win a Phezina, but he he did come in second his first year in the league, um, and he almost and he came in fourth that year uh, for the Heart, uh, according to Hockey References, uh, with a save percentage of nine twenty one, a GAA of two point oh one. He also won the Jennings. Which he even had a better save percentage in GAA that year um, in 2002, um, 03, where he had a 925 and a 1.83. I um, mean, I guess he got, the Vezina, he got the seventh place for Vezina that year, even though that was his best season. Um, but yeah, of course, um, we don't know how he died or anything like that, not that it really matters, but it's always sad when someone from the hockey community dies. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, all our wishes and thoughts go out to anyone who actually knew him, friends and family and all that.
0: And, uh, the, before the moment of silence, uh, one of the memories of a Roman Czech that I remember, um, there's, uh, this, uh, um, there's this goalie article that, um, I collect a, a series of goalie books and there's like these mini player profiles and um the introduction of Roman Czechmanic is very interesting because it was a shootout between Canada and Czech Republic at the world championships in Norway this was back in 99 and uh, midway through the shootout or just before the shootout um the Czech team makes a goalie change and puts in Czechmanic and um, Canada Canada shooters didn't really know much about him other than the fact that he was pretty big and uh, after giving up a goal in the first shot he shuts down everything else uh the czechs actually win that game and then eventually go on to win the gold medal and uh in the 1998 olympics uh in uh, nagano he was actually uh on the team uh, led by dominic Ashik, jarmi jagor and the rest of the czech players that won gold there so he ended up winning olympic gold before he actually made a national hockey league roster Uh, Three World Championship golds to his name on top of a bronze. Uh, As I mentioned, he had that uh, Olympic gold in 98. Um, And he just um, caught fire with the Flyers, stuck around for a couple of years. Unfortunately for him, a couple of quick playoff exits uh, led to uh, the dramatic flameout of his NHL career. But he had uh, some good regular seasons for a period of time and was definitely one of the best European goalies around. Um, we don't know, uh, unfortunately what the cause of death is, but, uh, uh thinking about uh, all his fr- uh, friends and family right now, a tough, tough time for them at, at such a young age, 52 years old, uh, it's old in hockey years, but that's still an awfully, uh, young time, uh, to, to pass on so suddenly. Um, and, uh, you know, he has, um, he has, uh, three kids that, um, Uh, are no longer going to have their dad around. So it's, uh, I can't even imagine what they're going through as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, after our, yeah, so we'll do a moment of silence like we always do whenever we talk about someone passing and then we'll get on with the show because there's no easy way to transition from that type of topic. All right. So, uh, this actually also happened today as well. The Oilers fired, uh, Jay Woodcroft, um, and the assistant coach, Dave Manson. Chris Knobloch, mm-hmm. um, is the head coach, and, uh, Paul Coffey is the assistant coach there, um, as a replacement. Uh, Chris Knobloch actually is a, um, uh, he was on the Hartford Wolfpack, which is the New York Rangers affiliate. But I guess the bigger reason why he was hired was because he was the Erie Otters head coach when uh, Connor McDavid was on that team in junior. So uh, I guess that's, that's really why he's here. But um, who knows if that has anything to do with it. Or I mean, I assume that has a lot to do with it. But it, it is kind of interesting because usually like... I just remember back when uh, Claude Julien was fired, they just hired the Providence Bruins coach, uh, Bruce Cassidy. Um, and, um, you know, same with uh, Mike Sullivan, where they hired the AHL affiliate. So it is kind of interesting that they didn't just go that route as well. But um, but I guess they're just trying to find, appease Connor McDavid um, as well in this decision. What's also interesting, and I'm hearing all these reports, I'm sure because this just happened like a couple of hours ago, um, that there's a lot of these, like I'm sure we'll miss some news stories that have uh, have been relayed here. But I did see something just now that Ken Holland said that uh, Woodcroft couldn't hold players accountable because of the short roster that Holland created, and it made um, it even more remarkable that Holland was still there making this decision. This is from Nielsen. Um, so so there's there's that, um, and then. Um, and then Holland was also saying that we didn't consult with the players on this decision. They are here to play hockey. They don't like being involved in these types of decisions. Connor and the other leaders had nothing to do with this decision. Uh, that's from Jeff Jackson. Um, I don't know who Jeff Jackson is, but uh, Holland did say he had conversations with He was with a former
0: vets. player agent, uh, the uh, guy who got Alex DeBrinkett out of Ottawa and on yeah. to Detroit shortly before he took this job.
1: Also, one of my Oilers... Uh, there's like there's an Oilers fan in one of my league, and he was saying how it's not just um, Knobloch that is related to Connor McDavid, but they hired Je- oh Jeff Jackson, who's McDavid's agent, and now his junior coach, um, mm-hmm. and they also got Connor Brown, um, who also, as we were talking about in our preview, who was like in the you know who was also on the Erie ear Otters as well. So it's like they're just trying to get everyone um that mcdavid knows and what has worked in the past for him um in the system but But,
0: they're they're not just doing that they brought paul coffee back you know what that means the old boys club it hasn't left yep yep. it still lives
1: yeah no and it's like you're right
0: they're just just the best of both worlds they're getting camp mcdavid and they're getting camp boys club
1: (laughs) yeah basically yeah that's a good point um yeah so it's um You know, I I think this is like a move that every team, like, you know, any team makes uh, just if they can't decide to trade anyone. Um, uh, But like apparently there was um, I was I think this was according to DJ Bean, but there was some speculation um, this week that because they also put uh, Jack Campbell into um, on waivers to uh, go to the HL. Um, so that was one move, but there was supposedly, uh, there was going to be a trade for a goalie, um, but that fell through. Um, and they, and we don't know which goalie, what team they were talking about, why it fell through or anything like that. But that's supposedly that's what they were going to do. Um, and then, and then they fired him. The thing that's kind of interesting too, is that like they, so they lost, um, they lost to Vancouver in humiliating fashion then they lost to the Sharks in <laughs> humiliating fashion because it's the Sharks. Uh, they were on a four-game losing streak, and we were all s- thinking this like throughout the week. It's like, okay, when are they going to fire Jay Woodcroft? When are they going to do it? Mm-hmm. And then they and then they don't do it. They stay put, and then on Saturday they end up winning against Seattle four to one. And they were just thinking like, oh, okay, maybe maybe there is something here. Maybe they can come back. And and then today you just find it's like oh okay never mind they're they're uh, (laughs) they just fire him Um, and lastly before I bring it to you um, Mm. Jay Woodcroft is uh, 79 41 and 13 for Edmonton as a head coach this was his first NHL head coaching bid. I assume that he's going to stay. Like, he's going to find another stint somewhere in the NHL. Because I don't think that's, you know, a a question here that we have. But um, it's not all his fault. Um, In fact, it's all like Ken Holland's fault for why the Oilers are bad. Um, It's not that, like, Holland necessarily. It's not like Woodcroft paid all these, you know, uh, fixed the defense or anything like that. And I guess we'll see what what coaches are changing but it's like one of those things where if you can't like holland is the problem he's the cause for why the oilers are this way but if you fire ken holland right now there's you know the team is bad he's already messed it up so ken holland should be gone and i guess maybe he's going to do something even stupider uh come trade deadline but it's um but it is what every team does, and it could help just for the short term uh, to right the ship. But, um, but yeah, I I don't I feel like he just didn't deserve to go. <laughs> but it, it is what it is, you know.
0: For Ken Holland's next act, he's going to trade a first round pick to get Ryan Reed
1: yeah, yeah. on his team, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because no one's done that before. Oh wait, Pittsburgh did. Never mind. And um, Toronto. Yep. Yeah. Um, Although
1: not for a first rounder, but yeah, Pittsburgh yeah. did pay him a long term contract. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Brian Reese also has two years left on his contract. Jeez. And uh, the uh, Leafs look tougher by not playing him against Vancouver yep. for so, some
1: reason. So we mentioned the Bruins, we mentioned the Leafs. When are we going to mention the Sens? Because I feel like that's just the hallmark three teams that we always mention. But <laughs>
0: yeah, this is the second time we've mentioned the Oilers in depth, by that's the way. That's true. Yep. Um, yep. And I was kind of hesitant to mention them at first because I I was, I was thinking like a couple weeks ago, man, if we don't, if they don't figure it out, we're going to be talking about them again in less than a month. And yep. sure enough, uh, they they make this significant change. A, a conspiracy theory uh, that I don't think is much for conspiracy theory. I, In my opinion, it's fact. Um, that I think the San Jose game is ultimately what did in Jay yep. Woodcroft Because uh, where did they hire Chris Knobloch from? The Hartford Wolfpack. That's the New York Rangers system, not the Oilers. So they probably had to get permission from Uh, the New York Rangers, maybe just to interview him, and then probably get permission to hire him.
1: Right. uh, Um,
0: And by the time that happened, uh, you know, the Oilers conveniently beat Seattle Kraken. I mean, when you lose... To a team that could be statistically speaking, one of the worst we have seen in our lifetime. Um, there's no coming back from that. Yep. Like when you outshoot a team like the Sharks 41 to 18, 41 to 19, it was 41 to something. And you lose by a goal. And if not for a goal in garbage time, you would have lost by two to a team that just equaled their single game high for goals in a season that year, it was three and they hadn't done it until uh, the first time they did it was game three. And then the next time, the second time, the only other time they've done it is against you. And they actually win that game. They lost the Carolina game. They actually won this game. And the sharks are, should be two free, easy points. The game before against Vancouver in the first 11 minutes edmonton is up 19 to 2 on the shot clock with a 1-0 lead which in itself i'm sure oilers fans are like how are you not up three nothing right now i know thatcher demko is a good goalie but you still you got freaking mcdavid you got dry you got zach hyman ryan Nugent hopkins all these players that can score goals you had A power play that was OP last year. Like, no one could touch it. And you're up 1-0, up 19-2 on the shot clock. And Stuart Skinner, who wasn't sent down, played that whole game, also played the Sharks game. Jack Campbell was probably just a sacrificial lamb because of the salary cap and to, to make a memo to the rest of the guys. And the... Vancouver Canucks get a fluke goal. It goes off and away they're sticking in. And then a few minutes later, they go up 2-1. A few minutes later, they go up 3-1. Edmonton has to call their timeout. Edmonton loses 6-2. Dreisaitl gets kicked out because he's pissed. Uh, Jay Woodcroft also gets ejected because the refs felt he was too pissed and he had to get out of there too. And then you follow it up with a game like that against the Sharks where you only get two goals past Mackenzie Blackwood on 41 shots. I don't even care if Jay Woodcroft is trying his best. You're the Edmonton Oilers. People, as I've said weeks ago, have put money on you to win the cup, not as a cup threat. No, no, people are betting on you to win it all now. And you go out of the gates and do this, three wins in your first 13 games or something crazy. With all of this talent at your disposal, all this money invested into said talent, they had to do something. And I know a lot of this is probably Ken Holland's fault, which, you know, pointing blame we'll get to in a bit. But at the end of the day, Ken Holland is not the coach. And you need a guy that can coach these guys to wins today. Jay Woodcroft can't do it. Get someone else who can And Chris Knobloch has coached Connor McDavid in Erie. He's also coached Connor Brown, as you mentioned. Um, He's also coached a lot of pretty good teams um, in Hartford with the Wolfpack. He went 31 and 20 in his first uh, campaign. And in that time, he was also, he Gersh to Shurkin's coach as well. Mm -hmm. Um, The last couple of years, um, they didn't make the playoffs but they went 35-26 and 26 last year, 35-26-11, and, 11, and uh, they lost in the second round. So uh, they they went on a little bit of a run last yep. year. And prior to going to Hartford, he was actually an assistant coach with the Philadelphia Flyers, so he's even had coaching experience in the NHL for all of this as well. So uh, um, it's it's definitely, like Jay Woodcroft, a bit of a new look, definitely a bit of a risk because he's never been a head coach before. Neither was Jay Woodcroft. But all you need to do is get someone to access the offensive traits of this hockey club and get this hockey club firing on all cylinders, get the offense going. Mm -hmm. And if the Edmonton Oilers are able to outscore their problems like they were last year, it's not the best formula for success, But at least in theory, it'll put wins on the board. And whatever Jay Woodcroft has done this year, it hasn't really worked. And whether or not this is a flawed team, whether or not this is the right team, obviously remains to be seen. Um, But you got to have someone in the mix that can help correct it. And it became abundantly clear that whatever Jay Woodcroft was doing, it wasn't working. Time is too precious. They had to make a change. And with seven teams in the West below NHL 500, as bad as the Edmonton Oilers are, they could somehow still turn this ship around. If this was in the Eastern Conference and they had a record like this, um, you might as well just start putting the nails in their coffin. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's reminding me. Um, I mean, yeah, I feel like anytime this happens, in the, uh, when a a team fires their coach. We're always going to say this, but it's kind of, it's still, it's reminding me of the 2019 Blues, uh, where they were the worst team in the league, and then they fire their coach, hire Greg Berube, and the rest is history, as they say. Of course, what's interesting here is the uh, the Oilers, this Oilers team is much better than that Blues team. Not, you know, of course, like, you know, that team also had like Tara Sango and Ryan O'Reilly, and they really just, lucked out with Jordan Bennington, but, um,
0: yeah, yeah, they need a goaltender to catch fire. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a similar uh, thing spoiler alert, that's yeah. what Edmonton's going to need here in order to turn it around like St. Louis did.
1: Yeah. But like, the thing is, is that like McDavid's better than Ryan O'Reilly dry. better than Tara Um, you know, mm-hmm. even like Ryan Nugent Hopkins is better than the third best skater that year on the, the blues teams. So, I oh, mean, I can't even think of the third best Blues uh, player on that team. Uh, but um, in any case, it's like, oh, okay. So maybe there there is a chance it's still very early. And as you mentioned, like, you know, there's a lot of bad teams in the Western Conference. And I don't think the Oilers are a bad team. It's just like, oh, they, they need goaltending help and they need um, better defense of structure. So yeah, if you have a coach that can kind of instill that, uh, then, yeah, great. What is kind of weird, though, is the fact that they, as we alluded to, is the fact that Chris Knobloch has experience with Conor McDavid. They hired – I didn't even realize that they hired his agent and Jeff as part of the management. Um, they also – you know, they signed uh, Conor Brown, who was a teammate of Conor McDavid. So it's just like – it's like they're just – I think they think that Connor McDavid's going to leave, <laughs> and um, and they're doing anything to make him stay, basically, and hoping that it's like, oh, we brought you all these old guys back here, like you know, you can stay here. Um, so that's a little bit desperate, um, and uh, yeah. that that is kind of concerning. I mean, not to you know, I, I assume those uh, Erie Otter teams were. Uh, good back in the day so maybe maybe there is something there and and all that stuff but it is a little strange that they're hiring this coach just because he played uh he coached Connor mcdavid five years ago or however long it was um so um so that part's a little bit strange and and maybe this is gonna be an even bigger disaster um also i think that there's something that's kind of worth mentioning speaking of mcdavid um is that he was injured for a couple some parts of the, um, the season. So he, and, and then he came back and played in that, um, you know, that heritage classic game, um, outdoor game. And, and then he gets a point, but like he doesn't look himself. And I would venture a guess that he's not a hundred percent, um, ready. And he's just, you know, he's playing because he kind of has to. Um, and I think, um, and they kind of rushed him there to do it. So maybe he's not 100% just yet because uh, there is something to that. So, of course, this is pure speculation. I, I have no idea. But I, I think there is something to the fact of, like, whenever I see, like, oh, someone has returned, it's like, oh, great, he's, he's back. But then you and he's, he's still not playing to the level that we expect him to be, even at, like, he's not even at, like, not even at like 80% of what we expect him to be so like then that still makes me wonder it's like okay so maybe he isn't actually fully healthy and he's still bothered by the injury that he has um which is concerning for the long-term health as you know that's my biggest pet peeve of players playing injured so um And they're already
0: riding him into the ground with how much they rely on him just to be on the ice and be a threat. Right, And uh, also, I don't know if you looked at uh, Jack Campbell's uh, game in the AHL. Mm. Um, It did not go well, and some of the goals that were going past him were pretty soft as a pillow.
1: For that, Um, I'll take – I I will take as a grain of salt because it's like – you know because the whole reason why they sent him down to the HL is because they're aware that he's not he's not working and he, and that's like the whole point of going to the HL is because he's he needs to like figure something out so it's like that was just his first game down I did hear that he had a bad HL game um as as his first start so
0: yeah that's Which like is, you know I I feel like
1: we good. should give him some leash and not like you know like just see how he he does like you know if yeah it would be even more concerning if he's been in the AHL for like five five more games or you know a couple more weeks and we still see that he's struggling but at the same time like Cal Peterson last year he was struggling a lot in the AHL this year he's on the Philadelphia Flyers and it looks like he's a brand new goalie so it could work out for him. But like right now, it's, I don't even really want to judge, judge, uh, Jack Campbell's performance. Cause it's like, okay. So he's, he's just trout, you know? Um, yeah. Anyways. His
0: confidence is cracked. Yeah. The and Oilers can't afford to have that confidence completely yeah. shatter. And it, it or was, else they're yeah. going to be really desperate to do something.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it was the right move to send him down. Um, yeah, clearly. Um, so so that makes sense yeah yeah of course
0: four years left at 5.5 no one's i
1: i I was thinking it would be kind of funny and i I emailed this to you but it would have been funny if the sharks did claim them even though surprisingly i was looking this up the sharks even if the sharks wanted to they couldn't have uh because they i guess they have two million in cap space somehow on that sharks team i don't understand that um but in any case, they they didn't. Um, so, but it would have been funny if the Sharks uh, claimed him, and then Jack Campbell uh, beats the Sharks, uh, beats the Oilers um, as a Shark. I think if, on if, Thursday, if the, I guess the worry happen.
0: about that is if Jack Campbell continues to struggle, yeah. and they're just gonna be like, well, we're not waiting around for this guy. We'll right. just buy him out. Well, that buyout's gonna look even worse. True, <laughs> as true. As opposed to you know trading him away.
1: True. I I guess it's like okay, but like it kind of. But like speaking to Kyle Peterson, it kind of reminds me of what the Kings did. It's like okay, they tried to trade him away, but no one was taking on his cap hit, so they just put him in the AHL until so he can figure stuff out, and then maybe like in a summer move, they they find someone who's willing to take him on um maybe it is the, difference the sharks between you know?
0: Peterson and Campbell is Peterson only has 2 years left on that deal it's at true. 5 million per year. Campbell has this plus another 3.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, it's gonna, it's going to be harder to trade them, of course, but I I guess it's just like I feel like that's kind of the model that the Oilers are going to. Um is yeah. they, you know, it's like they're just hoping that okay, maybe there is something going on. You, like Cal Cal Peterson did not look good in the AHL that last year, and somehow it, the Flyers are like, you know what, we're gonna suck this year. Let's let's take a chance on this guy. He used to be good, you know. it's Similar to Which like Memmer, interesting you know.
0: because some goalies do better in the NHL than the AHL. Yeah. Andrew Hammond, the Hamburgler, yeah. for example. Yeah. Uh, you give him NHL chances, and he and he just shuts out the whole world. And right. You him in the AHL, and he's just an average goalie.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, too. It's also, like, it's just interesting just, like, considering that, like, on the show, I was, like, when he was on, when Jack Campbell was on Toronto, um, I was, like, I was, like, the number one got Jack Campbell guy, um, just saying, like, oh, yeah, this is the Toronto Maple Leafs goalie, and then I didn't expect that he would, like, I thought, like, okay, the Oilers, if he's on the Oilers, he's going to be decent, you know, because um, that's all you need as a for the Oilers goal attending is to be just decent. Like you don't even need to be like Connor Hellebuck. You just need to be decent. Of course, it'd be nice if Connor Hellebuck was, um, you know, if you get a Connor Hellebuck type play, goalie. But like you know, even just like what Stuart Skinner was last year. That's that's pretty much all you need. And then and then it all falls apart. So maybe there is like a like something that. Toronto did that Edmonton didn't do, um, and just the way, like the st- the coaching style that they gravitated towards, just maybe that was the reason. But um,
0: there was yeah. also a trade. Uh, Jack Campbell played in the OHL, and Kyle Dubas was the GM of the Sioux Greyhounds, and he traded for him. And the Sioux Greyhounds missed the playoffs. So oh. when Dubas traded for him in the NHL this time, he w- he said in the papers he was determined to prove him right, uh. and I think that boost of confidence and that and that faith between the two, um, I think that probably drove him in ways that uh, that many people overlook, in my
1: opinion. Yeah, and, uh,
0: not not saying that he's not driven to perform in Edmonton. Right. But I I just feel like he really wanted to do right by Dubas when he made that trade for him.
1: Interesting. So maybe he goes to Pittsburgh. um,
0: (laughs) Alex Uh, Nadelkovich, you cost too little. Get out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe that's why. Um, But yeah. um, Yeah, I I do think that Edmonton will eventually find a goaltending because they picked up Calvin Picard. um, Yeah. And um, I don't think that's going to work. Um, but I, I think they just picked it him up. Be because could be
0: this year's Phoenix Copley where he's this, yeah. you know, on the bubble NHL goalie, and he, and he might not be too flashy, but he just picks up wins. And I don't he, know. I he, feel he like he gets the team back on track a bit. So I thought,
1: like, I think Picard even, ha- let me look this up, but I thought Picard has even worse statistics than Campbell does.
0: The um, goalies in uh, Bakersfield have looked pretty good this year. Olivier Rodrigue, their okay, goal the right now has also looked pretty up. good.
1: Uh, Let me look here. Okay, so oh, okay, so oh, okay, so last year for Bakersfield, okay, I I kind of can take this back, but not really. Uh, So last year for Bakersfield, Picard had a nine twelve save percentage and a two point seven GAA in thirty eight games. That's not terrible. terrible. But then in the playoffs, uh, he played in two games and he had a nine oh three save percentage and a three point oh four GAA. Then this year, which is um why i started to take it back was in four games so small sample size uh he has a 2.03 gaa and a save percentage of 939 um i guess the reason why i'm skeptical is that like when he was playing when picard was on the red wings um he had like a sub 900 save percentage uh for all his seasons Um, that he played. Granted, those are like three games or six games sometimes, but, um, so he's never actually been, and yeah, even on, like, the Arizona Coyotes, the Flyers, the Maple Leafs, he's never had a 900, oh, except for Colorado, the Avalanche, he has, um, he's never had a a sub, a higher than 900 save percentage, except for when he played for Colorado, as I'm looking here. But, um, But that was like five years ago. So, yeah. I mean, I guess it could still work and maybe something has changed. Um, You never know. But, but yeah, it's definitely possible, I guess. But we'll see. Um, In any case, um, so I'm just trying to see if we answered all our questions. Um, So, yeah, the Oilers make another chance. Do we think this is going to make a difference this time?
0: (sighs) To be honest, I don't know. And I also doubt it. I mean, I'll let you finish the stat, but since 2015, when McDavid and Dreisaitl have gone pointless in the same game, Brett, tell the people how many games the Oilers have won. Eight. Yeah, single digits. Yep. Uh, Don't know how you can be competitive uh, if you're relying on your superstar talent that much. Two guys. And I'll tell you, if the losing continues, I don't even care how many of McDavid's buddies they hire – if he doesn't like to lose, mm. uh, he's going to leave. Right, right. And Dreisaitl, who has the option to leave before him, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, if he hates losing just as much, and based on his comments in the media from previous losing streaks, he doesn't like losing. Yep. He, he loves winning. Um, well, who's to say he's going to want to extend long-term in this yep. situation? Uh, and I, I just think this whole, the way the whole roster is constructed, its reliance on those two stars and this vast, uh, minuscule amount of cap flexibility, um, which is kind of an oxymoron. It, the way that Edmonton can improve its salary cap outlook, is null and void because again, you're going to be repaying David and Drysdale in a little bit, and you can't really. Afford to spend in other areas unless it's short term deals and making short term trades and going all in for a couple of seasons. And I just don't think that's the mold of a championship. I know you probably, if you're an Oilers fan, you want to win a cup with this group, but I just don't know if they can.
1: Yeah, I, um, there's, um, there's kind of like reports that the Oilers were going, wanted to. I don't know how true this is, but uh, and it's, I don't even think it's even worth talking about, but I'm going to do it anyways. But for speculation. <laughs>
0: we love a good, good conspiracy theory. Go yeah, on. yeah.
1: There is speculation um, that uh, the Oilers were going to wa- trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins to Boston for Linus Ulmark. Um, and I assume there's a lot of other like pieces that are involved. And it's not just a strictly one-for-one type of trade. But I, I mention this solely because of the Boston points of view, and of course I'm biased, but from a Boston point of view, it's like, yeah, of course, you know, you want Ryan Eugen Hopkins. But on the other hand, Bruins are doing really well. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's like, um, and one of the reasons why they're doing so well is because of Linus Olmark. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I, I have no doubts that Jeremy sweeman I can take the mantle and he's eventually going to do that, but not right now. And, you know, you just ride the hot hand. And especially when like Swayman and Omar are like buddy buddies and teammates, it's like the best part about being a Bruins fan right now is just seeing their dynamic together. Um, Because that's pretty unusual for like two goalies to be like that close together. Uh, like Swayman even like not just the goalie hugs that I'm talking about, but like the um, like Swayman lives with, like has like lived with old uh, family for extended periods of time. So it's like, that's like tough to even like break them apart. And um, but all, all this to say is that like, for me it's like, yeah, of course I would like, you know, we need a s- center and that would be a huge need for them. However, Linus Olmark is like you know he's basically a Sororcan or a Schosturcan, so if you're gonna trade someone like Linus Olmark, I better have Leon Dreisaitl or I better have Connor McDavid, and there's no chance that Edmonton is even considering that. So for and and I only mention this just because it's like okay, Linus Olmark is probably a pipe dream for the Edmonton Oilers right now. I understand why they would think that but like there's no chance the Boston Bruins are going to do that and now I'm just thinking like I don't even know what other goaltenders that they could like you know like that they could try to get because it's going to be a similar situation like maybe John Gibson um, I think is the only like realistic per- goalie that they could try to get but at the same time and we're about to talk about the Ducks. Ducks are pretty good right now um and John Gibson's doing pretty well as well so it's like I don't know and they're in the same division as well so it's like I don't know if and John Gibson has publicly said that he he does he wants to stay in Anaheim who knows if that's actually true or not so like I'm just thinking across the league I don't even know what kind of goaltenders they can even get um because it's going to be like a similar situation um where it's like I don't know if like these teams are going to be willing to take on these different goaltending, maybe Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, that's another one that I could actually kind of see. Um, but you know, that's, you know, we'll, we'll see. But in any case, yeah, I think, I think the issues as what you're saying is that like, this isn't the move. I don't think. And, you know, maybe Knobloch is the next Mike Sullivan and the next Bruce Cassidy. Um, but that, that's the only reason why this would work. Um, but, like, you know, Knobloch, I don't know too much about Knobloch. Um, I, I did see that he is a players coach. Um, so that's kind of cool. But really what they need is someone who focuses on defense. Um, and, um, and that, you know, that might not be Knobloch. Uh, because um, clearly, like, you know, it kind of also reminds me of, I, I've made this analogy all the time, too, is how, like, Washington, for years, they just let Ovechkin do his thing, be this offensive dynamo, but then he would hardly play defense. Um, so they need a coach that's going to make Dreisaitl, make McDavid be, like, even just a little bit more defensive minded. And of course, that's going to sting for all of us because we love watching these guys play because they don't play de- as much defense. Um, but that's really what you need. If you're going to go far in the playoffs, even if they make it the playoffs, uh, they need to be more defensively responsible. Um, and I don't know if that, that's, you know, it depends on what Nabiluk is able to do with with these guys. Um, and if, if he can get them to buy into a system that is more defensively responsible, then yeah, he's, he's going to be a good coach, but it's hard to say at It's this funny.
0: Moment. You should mention that. Cause on sportsnet.ca, um, there's already audio talking about the defensive scheme he wants to implement. So uh, the press conference has already happened for anyone right. who wants to circle back to that. I'm sure it's on YouTube and stuff like that. A couple of things on the Omar uh, Nuge proposition. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has a full no-move clause till the end of his contract. He's in year three of eight of that deal. So this year, plus yep. the next five years, he can basically veto any trade he pleases. And if he doesn't want to leave Edmonton, he's not going to. Yep. Um, so Also, uh, Nugent, yeah.
1: like a little bit of an offshoot, but I was I was telling you off air, Nugent has had, this is Nugent's 10th coach in 13 seasons. So, <laughs> so it's crazy. I thought Taylor
0: Hall had a rough, man. I know, that I know, sucks. it's crazy. And Newt, that's even more depressing because right. Newt hasn't even moved. He's been in Edmonton this entire time.
1: <laughs> I know,
0: I know. It all's been at least five different markets. I
1: know, I know. Um,
0: by the way, uh, Linus Allmark is 30 years old. Yep. Uh, so you're getting a guy who is in his prime today. If you're looking at a guy who's going to be performing at this level a couple of years down the road, that's not necessarily a guarantee. Uh, You also look at the ages of their current guys right now. McDavid, as good as he is, and as good as he probably will be for years to come, is 26 years old. So he's not as far away from 30 as people think. Leon Dreisaitl, even more so, he's 28. Uh, Zach Hyman, 31 years old. Evander Kane, 32 years old. Nugent Hopkins, we just mentioned, similar to Linus Olmark, is 30 years old. Um... Taking a look at some of their other guys, Connor Brown, who they brought in on a bargain one-year contract. To see what happens. He's 29. Uh, Darnell Nurse is 28. Matthias Ekholm, who they brought in last year, is 33. Um, and outside of you know guys like uh, Evan Bouchard and Dylan Holloway, a lot of these guys are in their late 20s, just turning 30. Yep. Like that's that's.
1: That's a bit of a risky formula to me, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. I, I think we're clear that the goaltending is the issue and the, yeah. and it's not they, necessarily they coaching. There's no, problem. but, you know, there might be something to it, um, where, like, okay, maybe, uh, Woodcroft lost the room, um, there's a potential there, and they're just sick of that. So they they get uh, someone else who who could work. Um, what is concerning though is that, excuse me, Holland had mentioned that he hadn't even talked to anyone, um, any of the players, if this was something that they would want to do. Um, so so who knows if they actually lost the room or not um i imagine by the way I, I, we don't have this as a list of our questions but i imagine woodcroft's gonna eventually get hired somewhere and then he's probably gonna yeah. win the stanley cup somewhere at that place too <laughs> uh, but um but yeah um yeah i don't know if um it's going to um yeah it's you know it, it's it's really just one of those things that we'll have to see um so yeah this is just taking
0: a, uh, a look at their schedule here just real quick sure um In mid-November, the Edmonton Oilers uh, will be visiting Tampa Bay, Florida, and Carolina, um, all of which have a lot to play for in the Eastern Conference. Uh, You also have the Capitals, who have suddenly turned it up. Uh, The Ducks, who are no slouch all of a sudden. Vegas, who Mm. is uh, tops in your division. The Jets, who have surprised. Then they get the Hurricanes again. They have Minnesota, who have at times had trouble keeping the puck out of their net, but they still have a pretty good team, and they could also figure things out. They get the powerful New Jersey Devils December 10th. Uh, They get Tampa again in December, as well as Florida. So they get the Florida teams out of the way there. Uh, They visit New Jersey on the 21st. They also have a couple of games against the Islanders, squeezed in there. They have something to play for as well. They yep. get the Rangers on the 22nd. A, lot of the, uh, a few of those uh, scenarios are also back-to-backs. Keep that in mind. Um, and then uh, they also uh, get uh, the LA Kings before the end of December, too. So they've got a lot of tough opponents in the month of December coming up. And I can understand why the Oilers would want to make this move now because you need to start winning games before this season really slips out of your hands.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, I guess that's, that's a good point. Um, excuse me, there's a printer right nearby this microphone. So I don't know <laughs> if it's picking up or not. I assume it. Oh, will. yeah, I can hear it. Yeah. OK, fine. I, I apologize seeing
0: the background, but
1: I can. Hear it. OK, that's that's great. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so this is uh, Holland's second coaching change. Um, he was actually hired in 2019. So so, yeah, he's been on the job for four years now. Um, so, that's kind of there. Uh, w- um, if this fails, what are the odds that he gets canned? I mean, he should be canned right now. Um yeah. But, yeah, I imagine I, – I guess the thing is is that, yeah, it is his fault that he built this team this way, um, and that's why the Oilers stink, and it's not all on Woodcroft. Having said that, you know, all they really need to fix is the goaltending and the defense. So, we'll see – um, and I'm sure he's gonna make another dumb move. So, so maybe there is some credence to why he should be fired right now, uh, before he does something even more idiotic. And if you think like the Oilers are bad right now, wait till he, he gets more desperate. Um, so, there is a chance yeah, that this is this is gonna, I'm this gonna, gonna hand get worse.
0: Stewart Skinner another four year extension. <laughs>
1: right, 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 exactly. Yeah,
0: days later, I'm gonna get fired.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So
0: it, it's a shot at Peter Shirely giving Miko Koskin a four-year extension and immediately paying for it.
1: That's right. I forgot about that. Um, so yeah, if this fails, um, what are the odds he gets canned? Um, I mean, yeah, he gets canned right away. I, get, I guess the question then is, is like, when will he get canned? Because he could get canned um, before the trade deadline, in the middle of the season, or at the end of the season when they are – or like when they're officially eliminated from the playoffs. Um, by the way, I I might not be a hockey fan if Macklin Celebrini is on the Edmonton Oilers. Um, I feel like <laughs> – like I'd should rather dis- him
0: on the Oilers than on the Blackhawks.
1: Yeah, but I uh, – I don't know. I feel like, like no team should be re- – like, it was even unfair when they got Connor McDavid. Like, no team should be uh, – like, uh, rewarded for their uh, failures for uh, like the last decade or so. So, they should not walk
0: some free agency, they won't be.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's like in three years. <laughs>
0: yeah, so, true, but three years isn't that far away. Um, to answer your question, yeah. I think it all depends on whether or not McDavid or Dry are wanting to stay and how much of that hinges on Ken Hall's performance or lack thereof if it's a case of dry mcdavid saying hey we want to win it hasn't been working out that way we'd be willing to stay but we need a new voice up top calling the shots because we've lost faith in this guy and the owner who obviously doesn't want to lose any of those two is like you got it hey kenny you're gone sorry have a nice right. day um i think a lot of it is going to depend on the situation from mcdavid and dry peter Pocklington. i don't think the fans have even forgiven him to this day for trading away Wayne Gretzky, even though they did okay. win a cup a few years after trading yep. him away, they that that's something that he's probably going to take to his grave, and the fans are going to let him hear it as he goes into said grave. Um, Daryl Gates does not want to be that guy that let McDavid and Dreisaitl walk for nothing because they didn't win enough, and he felt the GM that he put so much faith in. Um, that he chose him over those two players. Uh, I don't think that's the legacy that he wants, especially after investing all that money into that arena. Uh, he invested all that money to be a revenue generator and to appease the fans. And appeasing the fans is keeping these two superstars in town. So if it comes down to a decision of the GM or those two players, if I, dollars to donuts, the owner is picking, I would think, those two players. Because they're going to give him the most money, right?
1: Right, right. Yeah, it's uh, that's definitely um, what's what's very likely going to happen. But we'll we'll see. Um, yeah, I, if you're I, asking I guess,
0: immediate future, if they finish last in the league, he's probably gone by this summer.
1: Yeah, I mean that was pretty much the question. But yeah, I guess to your earlier point it's like yeah no of course no one wants to be known as the guy who let mcdavid walk or it's it all walk at the same time i don't think um it's in mcdavid's personality to request a trade um so i don't and you know he needs to like uh release his no movement clause anyway so i don't think that's gonna happen um even if the oilers do suck um (laughs) <laughs> in uh in a few years I, I i feel like just that's just not in mcdavid to do that but who knows I, maybe i'm i'm wrong on that uh, for dry saddle i could kind a of reminder
0: see... that does that Hyman and Vander kane also have no move clauses so does uh, Daniel nurse well
1: i could see so yeah. so mcdavid's the only one that i feel like wouldn't do that even if like inso- internally he's like i can't wait till i leave edmonton um, so he's never going to request a trade, um, but I could see Dreisaitl, uh, maybe wanting a trade, uh, wanting to request a trade. I could definitely see Evander Kane just purely because of what has happened in his past, because uh, he has wanted out of Winnipeg, he's wanted out of San Jose, so it's definitely possible that, uh, this is also not great for him, um. Zach Hyman may be similar. I don't necessarily know him for sure, but if, like I, I imagine if the team starts to stink even more, then yeah, a lot of these guys will probably want to move out. So so maybe it is a little bit easier to trade them if that is what happens. Because I guess ideally that is kind of how you would fix the Edmonton Oilers is you don't trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you don't trade Dreisaitl or McDavid, but you do try to trade Evander Kane and um and Zach Hyman, but as you mentioned, they both have no movement clauses. Um and I think uh, Darnell Nurse also has one too, and that's another guy that you should probably trade to, but um, I don't know if anyone wants Darnell Nurse's contract at this point. So um
0: And again he has a no move clause.
1: And he has a no movement clause. Okay, thank you for that. So so yeah, it's it's like those would be the actual fixes, but those players probably don't want to leave until like, unless it gets really, really bad. And then, yeah, I guess they go. But um. And who
0: gave the players those contracts, yeah, I Holland. wonder? Yeah. Ken Holland. Right, right. So that, that's the, doing.
1: that's the other thing, too. It's like, even if, let's say, Ken Holland is canned, it's like, okay, the the GM also will have to deal with this. It's like, so it's not an easy fix. Yeah, whoever you know?
0: takes over is going to have quite the pickle. Yeah,
1: because yeah. Holland just messed also, it up for uh, everyone. Uh,
0: this is just totally out of left field. It's probably not gonna happen. But can you imagine Leon Drysdale in Ottawa Sanders uniform with his buddy <laughs> Timmy Stew? Yeah. Oh I mean, well, I the think, Atlantic Division is not ready, man.
1: I I mean, obviously I don't know Leon Drysdale at all, but I do wonder if there is a part of Drysdale's psyche that's going like Okay, this is Connor McDavid's team. No one know like he feels disrespected that like no one understands that he's actually the best player in the league. So I could see Drysaddle wanting out purely for Mm -hmm. egotistical reasons, where he's just like, "I want my own team. I want to be the star of my own team." Um, So I don't necessarily think that he would go to Ottawa because it's like Brady Kachuk, as you mentioned, Tim Stutzla, as well is there, and they're like, you know, that would kind of take his shine from egotistical. Reasons. So maybe he goes to Arizona because they don't have any stars on that team. Or maybe he goes to San Jose because <laughs> eventually they, they will have something working there. But like um, it's, you know, so I, I feel like if he if he is to go, it's like, yeah, sure, he cares about the team and all that. But uh, there is also, a, a um, you know, where he lives and all that stuff. But there is like that. I could see that angle happening where he's like, you know what? I want out. I wanna, I wanna have my own team where I'm the actual guy, um, and uh, so I and not be the or, second fiddle. Or here, here's
0: a wild card. Here's a wild card: Seattle Kraken.
1: Ooh, like a good
0: young team with all those all prospects. Right. I like You've that. Got the fan base buying all your jerseys. I
1: love that. And it's Man, and, that, and and that it's in the an
0: interesting experiment.
1: And it's in the Oilers division too, so it's like. Yep. Like if he has any resentment towards the Edmonton Oilers, which I'm sure he does, if he if he wants out, it's like all right, all right, I could see that. Um, yeah, I, I, I like that. I feel like now.
0: their center depth is is okay, but yep. it's not great.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, totally. Um, all right, um, and then the last thing is who deserves most of the blame for Edmonton's struggles. I think we we were both in agreement that Ken Holland. Everyone. Yep.
0: Every everyone has a role to play. I think Ken Holland, but. Players, coaches, yeah. management, everyone. I mean, everyone it is. The Oilers yeah, if
1: the goaltending was better, yeah, we wouldn't be in this position. But at the same time, it's. on yeah, some
0: <laughs> some more than others, but I yeah. think it's a collective. McDavid and uh aren't aren't playing like McDavid and Drysaitel. Sure. The depth isn't good enough. The defense isn't good enough. The goaltending isn't good enough. And every move that Ken Holland has made to this point hasn't been good enough, and it's contributed to one of their most forgettable starts in recent memory.
1: Yep. Yeah. Fair. Um, all right. So now we go to the rapid fire. Um, and Alrighty, thankfully, that timer out. yeah, exactly. And thankfully my printer, this printer stopped printing. It was like five minutes <laughs> printing for some reason. Um, okay. Uh, starting the timer. Uh, speaking of the sharks, uh, they, they get Kalen Addison. um, from minnesota um who was he was decent defenseman i think he was involved in the uh like a pittsburgh penguins trade he was involved yep, jason in some... zucker that's right um and yeah that didn't work out for either team i guess now um <laughs> and the minnesota wild gets adam raska and a 2026 fifth round pick and then subsequently like about like a couple minutes later uh the wild get zach bagajian from Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay gets a 2025 seventh round pick. So it's basically Keelan Addison for Zach Begijian, Um And then, you yeah, know, some minor picks um, and players involved with the other stuff too. So it wasn't like a purely three, three-way trade, but it, it kind of was at the same time. Uh, this is a little bit shocking for the fact that like Keelan Addison did have like, he, he started off well, offensively speaking, But then I was reading up on this and I guess a lot of like the hockey analytics people um, like found that Kaylin Addison just doesn't play defense. Um, So we'll see what happens in San Jose. Um, But like, I kind of like this for Kaelin Addison just because he gets a fresh start here. And also like Minnesota has been, they have Brock Faber who's been actually pretty decent and he does play defense. Um, Maybe not great offensively speaking, but san jose doesn't have any defense base defensemen ever since henry thrun went to uh they sent him down to the hl so so yeah if they add Kalen addison maybe he sparks something because at least it's like the san jose sharks are an ahl level team right now and they just need more players just to give shots to um and seeing if they work out or not so so yeah i like this for san jose um I don't know if it will work for Minnesota, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess with also Carson Lambos in the Minnesota system, maybe that uh, was additional incentive and uh, allowed more comfortability for Bill Guerin to make a move like this. But still, I mean, giving up on a young player with a lot of offensive upside for a short-term fix in Zach Bogosian, I feel like is one of those short-term moves that, yeah, you understand at the time, but also down the line, if if Galen Addison is able to transform his career and even play a little bit of defense and the Sharks are good and he's a big part of that, it's going to be that Brent Burns kind of thing where right. Minnesota had him in their system and they traded him away at a young age and look what happened. Yeah. Um, so for the time being, definitely Zach Bogosian is going to help the Minnesota Wild keep up the puck. Uh, keep the puck out of their net better than Kalen Addison can but I think long term uh, it could end up biting them but t- today I understand the logic
1: yeah and also like they have uh, Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Burdeen who are like yes both known as the shutdown defenseman type of stuff so it's like okay and
0: Spurgeon's been out for a little bit to start although
1: he, he came back though but yeah you're right he
0: did but yep. for the first month he was pretty much absent
1: yeah yeah uh, speaking of San Jose uh, they won a game. Um, they won two games. Uh, yeah, they won multiple. I know, In fact, I know. uh, they Is broke
0: it... the Oilers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Uh, they, uh, yeah, they beat the Philadelphia Flyers, um, on Tuesday. Um, it would have been hilarious if the first win was against Edmonton. Um, but it was kind of also funny when you saw the standings cause they, both the Oilers and the San Jose Sharks had two wins. Um, and they were like, <laughs> they were the thirty second and the thirty uh fir- uh first, uh, team right now, um. So it's kind of funny from that angle, but yeah, they um, I mean I, I th- there was like Mike Greer, the GM, had, apparently he uh, talked to the players and the coaches and just said like this is unacceptable, uh. Which is kind of funny because this is uh, this is like basically they, they're actively tanking. I, I guess though from Mike Greer's perspective, I don't think he knew this team wasn't going to be good, but I don't think he thought that this team was going to be this bad. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I, I do want to shout out Mackenzie Blackwood because he's basically the the new Carol Vils- Vils- Milka, uh, where he he has already he has three hundred and three saves. Um, I feel like that I, I I'll look this up while you talk, but I think um, everyone else has um like the next closest is probably (laughs) very very um different um or very low but anyways uh what do you have on the sharks
0: i mean simply put they could be a headache if the goaltending stands on their head um and at times it has um like it has in the game against colorado where blackwood um Lost 2-1 to one in the shootout, but made like 50-plus saves. I think that was the hmm. Sharks' home opener where he did that. And then the game against Philly and the game against Edmonton, there were like 39-41 shots he faced. Yep. Um, and he put up a ridiculous save percentage. Uh, taking a look, he's actually third in shots faced. Yeah. And uh, 34 of those uh, 337 have uh, gone past him. Yeah. Uh, 899 save percent for a GAA over four honestly isn't bad, especially when you consider that uh, the Sharks been that bad. Only uh, Jonas Johansson, of all people, right? and UC Seros have faced more shots than. Uh, Actually,
1: Blackwood. I have um, Sergei Bobrovsky as well, um, but maybe it's not updated for you.
0: No, they're tied for third. Bobrovsky and Blackwood are tied for third. Okay. So, yeah, Bobrovsky is in that mix.
1: But I. Okay. Than. Yeah, yeah. I, I have. So, I I guess I'm... Well, because Bobrovsky just uh, played earlier today. So, maybe it's not updated oh, okay. But, uh yeah. So, I have... Bobrovsky and Saros have 305 saves. And then Jonas Johansson has 364 saves. However, uh Johansson, Bobrovsky, and Saros have all played 12 games. Yep. Blackwood has played 10. And
0: yeah. And he, has, he started nine of them. And
1: he started nine <laughs> of them. Yeah. So pretty crazy um but yeah it's um yeah i I don't like i don't think like i figured that sharks would be bad because they you know they traded eric arlson they traded uh timo meyer even earlier than that um and then yeah you were thinking like okay maybe blackwood could be decent because he needs a change of pace or something like that and um and all that stuff but then yeah i i didn't think that they would be this bad but yeah they they're on the verge of being like one of the worst teams that we've ever seen, um, and and that that will be saying something. But I'm sure we'll we'll do a um, episode on that um, if that actually does cl- even close to happen right now. But, yeah, just yep, some obscure
0: goalie stats as well. I know yeah. Cam Talbot is sixth in shots face. Uh, Jordan Bennington yeah. is ninth, and he's rocking a 923 save percentage. Speaking oh, yeah, yeah. of people who hate the Sharks, yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a lot of interesting names. And also uh, in uh, the nine-star club, Jonas Corpus is 11th on uh, that shots category. Almost yeah. faced 300 shots already.
1: Yep. Um, okay, so now we do um, Jonathan Huberto. Um, he, uh,
0: man, Alberta has it rough, don't they?
1: Yeah, I know. Um, but in any case, on Tuesday, they were playing Nashville. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy, I'm actually like looking here like they actually won this game, but uh <laughs> they uh Jonathan Huberdeau did not play at all in the third period, and there's like i it's like edged in my mind now um the etched i said edged <laughs> I don't think that's right um etched in my mind that like he had his head down because he was benched the entire time. it's like something's not going right for him um here um and it's just crazy cuz they paid this guy 10.5 million this is his first year on that contract so they have eight more years of this um and of course yeah. you like you know that's a long time so that's like good and bad news because it's like okay well you have a lot of time to figure this out but on the other hand it's like oh <laughs> this this might be very bad and one of the worst contracts in a long time if this gets even worse which is very possible of course um having said that he does have seven points in 14 games so he's not bad um I did see something that's kind of interesting though is that he um uh, I saw this video on um like talking about uh, Huberto's play basically and where in Florida he would like have more confidence going into the blue zone um the blue line the blue zone the uh (laughs) the offensive zone and then, um, but like when in Calgary, it's just the way that they set it up where Huberdeau has to wait for a couple of the players and they don't, and I guess in Florida, they usually have the wingers take the puck. Whereas for in Calgary, they have other players take the puck and not necessarily the wingers. So that means that Huberto is just like state. They showed him like standing right behind the blue line, uh, before he enters the zone kind of thing. And it's just like awkward and that's something that you you don't usually see and that just shows that like, oh, this guy, there's something in his head that's not working right now. Um, And maybe it's...
0: And I mean, a a guy that is making that much money, you know, if like that shows you how much pride he has. Like he's making all that money, but yet he's pissed and he's got his head down the entire game. Like he wants to do right by the team. I also heard on the Steve Dingle podcast that if uh, the Flames were to make a significant trade, part of the return they would want back is someone to play on Hubert line, maybe to uh-huh. get him going a little bit, which is yeah. also an indication of, I mean, you're a star player. It shouldn't, it, I feel like that's not the norm. Usually yeah. a superstar player can handle themselves. And yeah. Put up
1: and granted, I would love to be making $10.5 million. Um, so I'm sure yeah. that's like, you know.
0: Canadian as well. Yeah. yeah. So, as so That's even more.
1: So that's great. But I, I do wonder, though, it's like if you see like, oh, Matty Kachuk, he's uh, he, he basically single handedly put his old team into the Stanley Cup finals. I could see that being a little bit annoying um, or something like that. Yeah. So I, I could I could see that being like a little, um, you know, maybe ego driven or I don't know, um, not great for him. Uh, From that standpoint, but, uh, but yeah, I, I I kind of had hope that he would bounce back. I don't think we'll ever see the 115 point guy again um, that he had in his last season at Florida, but, um, but I I do, I do still kind of like having said all this stuff, I do think that there is something where I, I think, I think he'll be ready but maybe he's just in the wrong system or something's happening in calgary and i don't know what or how to Even fix it 80 but... to
0: 90 points yeah it's a freaking good year i I'd,
1: I'd take that yeah but um but yeah we'll see it is kind of funny though when that trade happened we were all thinking like oh calgary won this trade and then yeah it was better one, than the they trip.
0: expected yeah and exactly. also Mackenzie Weger yep like we that's thought that one. was a, a win for calgary too and that's been tough at
1: yep yep um, so, uh, speaking of, um, I guess disappointing starts, um, the, uh, Calgary, uh, sorry, the Colorado Avalanche, um, had a bad game <laughs> to, against the St. Louis Blues of all teams. Yeah. Uh, they lost eight to two, um, and Jared Benar, uh, kind of blasted the team, uh, post game. He said that was the worst period of hockey, I'm looking here. I'm trying to figure out which period it is that he's talking about because it could have been the first period because they gave up three goals. I maybe not the second period because it was like they did get one goal and St. Louis had uh, that another goal. Otherwise,
0: they had more than one bad period. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. But then in the third period, they gave up four goals, but they eventually Jack Johnson and Jonathan Druen scored um, or got a goal. So, so maybe. I, I think he's talking about the third period, but it is kind of funny. It's like, wait, which, which period are you talking about? Because all of them are pretty bad. Um, and then um, and then he also says, I don't think tomorrow's practices will be fun. Um, if you're not going to work in the game, you're going to work in practice. So, yeah, Benar is furious. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, I, I don't know necessarily. Like, I feel like Colorado is going to be okay they are 8-5, and um, they're, sorry, yeah, they're 8-5, they don't and even have any OTLs, um, and they, they're second in their division, so I think they'll be okay, um, but yeah, that's not a great loss to have, of course.
0: <laughs> yeah, Braden Shen and Bajnevich are getting hat-tricks in that game, so yep. it was a double hat-trick for the Blues uh, as well. The shots were, were pretty close. But I would imagine it's, I, it comes down to sloppy playing turnovers that lead to goals that he probably took issue with. Um, they they uh, have had a couple of um, nasty losses. They got shut out by Vegas seven to nothing last weekend. Uh, they lost to uh, Seattle the game before the St. Louis game. They got shut out by the Sabers for nothing as well. They got shut out by the Penguins for nothing. Mm-hmm. So, it's just this seesaw battle of, like, okay, they're back. And they also got shut out. Hey, they're back again. Oh, they also got shut out again. Oh, okay. So, I think it's Jared Benner saying, look, we won a cup with a lot of these guys. I know this team is better. We're stopping this right now. We're going to have a hard-as-hell practice, and we're going to get the season back on track. But right now, I'm pissed. Right, and right, right. I think they'll be fine. But for oh. right now... For right now, it's it's uh, not ideal, and they should be playing better. All
1: right, I don't know if you heard that, but the timer is yeah. Off.
0: That's that's time. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. I, I. This might be the first time where we have like a couple of other items to t- go through, but it's okay. Yeah. Well, we'll leave them. At. I, I
0: think I think we got through the meat of it too. Exactly. We, yeah. we wanted to get the app story in there.
1: Basically. Yep. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. So you can follow us on Twitter, iTunes. Um. <laughs> twitter at lace up podcast our, tw- our uh, you can also subscribe to us on itunes spotify wherever else you get your podcasts um at lace them up um and yeah that's about it i'm brett Dubuff.
0: i'm steve ellsworth before signing off uh, special sends exclusive podcast at some point uh within the next week or so i think that'll be released yep. so stay tuned for that In the meantime, we'll talk again in episode 388 of the Lace Month Podcast.